Hello and welcome to a podcast episode I've been thinking about, actually, I don't know if it's been for a week or more, and I really feel called to talk about this, so (laughs) here goes. I even made some notes for myself, um, which I probably won't follow, (laughs) but the notes helped me get clear before I did the podcast, which is one of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today. So the topic is why sensitive people have a hard time with boundaries and what to do about it. I sometimes would joke to my family that I'm so sensitive, right? Which means I can sense vibrations, which means I can sense emotions. I mean, have you ever thought about what what does being sensitive mean? What does it mean to have a sensitive nervous system or to be intuitively or emotionally sensitive? I mean, emotions are things that you can actually... Uh, science. You can actually like, you know, put nodes on things and then feel things. And then you can actually see like the waves or brain waves or energy waves. Like you can actually tune into the vibration of emotions. It's actually a frequency. So when you're sensitive, it means that you are frequency sensitive. It means that you're vibrationally frequency, frequently, frequently, you are definitely frequently (laughs) (laughs) vibrationally, I would say fluent, but if you have no idea what vibrations you're sensing and you don't know which ones are yours or which ones are somebody else's, you're not fluent yet. You're just hearing a whole bunch of noise all the time or sensing a whole bunch of noise. Like you're out in the middle of, uh, of, of a crowded stadium and there's just this ah, this cacophony of sound. There's that type of vibration around you. That's what my life was like. I mean, I don't know, until I learned how to be fluent. And when I learned how to be fluent, well, that's another discussion. So let's talk about why we have a hard time with boundaries. And I and I used to joke to my kids that setting boundaries, right, telling them no, or, or it, especially when they were young, and I was so very much aware of and tuned into their emotions, right? <laughs> especially when they're really little, right? Isn't that a lot of what, of what that part of parenting can be like when you're sensitive? I said, setting boundaries with somebody is like punching myself in the face. (laughs) That's what I said. Like, as soon as I say something that sets a boundary and the other person reacts, even if you can't see any reaction on their face, even if there's no noticeable reaction or, or it'd be a very minute reaction in their body, I can immediately sense their emotions. And if anything that I'm doing is upsetting to this person, I'm, I hurt because I feel they're hurt and then I start hurting. So it's like, it's like one of those, um, those, uh, balloons, right. That when, when you're a kid, sometimes they have those really, really, really big rubber balloons and you blow it up and there's a a rubber band attached to the end of it. And so say the balloon is like, Oh, you can't see me holding up my arms. (laughs) It's bigger than your head. And you put it in your hand and then you punch, it's a punch balloon. And as you punch it, the rubber band pulls it back. So it's like, bung, 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 bung. I said, that's what it feels like, or it felt like to me setting boundaries. <laughs> when I'm sensitive, it's like I'm punching myself in the face with these feelings. And so I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to set boundaries. And setting boundaries is very painful. And it was very painful for me. And then, of course, when I'm in this feedback loop of trying to set the boundary, then I'm feeling punched and then setting the boundary back and forth, it makes it a very awkward conversation. And then I'm also reacting and I'm reacting to other things that aren't the conversation that I was 
wanting to have their I'm reacting to things that aren't keeping this discussion on topic. And the other person is now like, what the heck is going on? Like it just gets very, very messy. Right. But it's also painful. And so I know that for me, I just stopped trying to put boundaries down. It was easier for me to just say, Oh, it's okay. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. It was easier for me to just play small, not tune in, you know, just let things happen because in trying to change things and even make things more healthy in the long run, I couldn't get past that part where it was painful for me. <laughs> right? <sighs> well, you let me know if this makes any sense to you um, uh, or if this was, you know, just my experience. But when I work with people and I, and I, and I work with other sensitive folks who are clients, we see this pattern we see this pattern. So what do you do about it, right? Well, here's the thing that I really had to accept. I'm not going to not be tuned into something. I'm not going to not all of a sudden be sensitive. Like I had to stop fighting the fact that I'm sensitive. I had to stop fighting this this concept. I had to stop thinking, well, I'm just going to make myself more sensitive. I'm going to go to the sensitivity gym and I'm going to work this out, you know, and I'm going to end up being strong. And by being strong, I mean, I'm not going to be sensitive anymore. I tried that tactic, I mean, for decades and it doesn't work because I am a sensitive person. It's like telling a fish not to swim, right? Or telling a squirrel not to, not to climb a tree, right? These things are inherent in us. Our, if you're sensitive, our ability to be sensitive to, which means knowing of all of these emotions, vibrations that are around is a part of who we are. So I've said one day I was like, okay, I'm not going to not be sensitive. So what the heck am I going to do with this? And that was the tipping point for me. That was the tipping point. So my first offering to you is to say, accept it. I am sensitive. This is not going away. Now what? So here are some tools that I have used that have helped me with this, but don't get stuck up. I don't want you to get ever stuck up on any, uh, stuck on any tool that I'm offering because once you decide that you're not fighting reality, once you decide that, yes, this is a part of who you are and you're going to embrace it and you decide that you want to live an amazing life, right? And you want to feel amazing while you are who you are, the universe is already going to start giving you the tools and the tips and the inspired actions that are going to lead you through it. But here's some of the things that help me because it's fun. It's fun and helpful to hear about some of this stuff. Number one, I would prepare conversations in advance and people talk about this. Like, what's your point? Like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish in this conversation? So if you're going to go with somebody and have a, a resetting boundaries conversation, what is it that you're asking of them? But I started to not only um, prepare myself for the logical parts of the conversation or the talking points of the conversation, I would prepare myself for the energetic or the emotional parts of the conversation. Like, okay, I'm going to present this energy and then they might or typically come back with this energy. When they come back with this energy, how am I going to respond energetically? Which is another way to say emotionally. I'm going to have these emotions and they're going to respond. And I would walk myself through examples of the emotional landscape that I was going to be 
in, like literally in, feeling and navigating and dealing with and managing while I was in the conversation. It was so helpful because things didn't catch me off guard. And I thought, well, what if they really react in a way I wasn't expecting? Like I say, hey, would you be willing to do this? Or I need to have a conversation about that. And they're like, right? <laughs> even there, I could say, okay, if they have a really big reaction, I'm going to, and I would practice breathing. I would practice centering. Here's the thing which is my number two, be more centered. But what does that mean to be more centered? I, I've heard that phrase. I mean, as soon as I got into the spiritual stuff, probably in the 80s, I heard be more centered. That mean that meant nothing to me because conceptually, I'm a vibrationally sensitive person. So centered in what? Centered in how? What does that, how does that translate into emotions or energy? Yes, I understand sitting and putting your legs in the lotus position and, and putting your tongue up in the roof of your mouth and oming. Like I understand the physical components of being centered. I understand what it looks like when you're centered, when you look calm and you seem serene. But what was I supposed to do? with all of this energy that I had? And what was I supposed to do with all of these emotions that I had? I had no idea what to do with them. And I'm hearing, put them in the ground, center them with the earth. Imagine your, you know, your sits bones and the earth are one and run that energy. I'm like, yes, that's nice. And that does help energetically. But I still didn't know what to do with the emotional part of it. I didn't know where to put it. And so I had two things that I was bouncing back and forth on. One was, just be in a meditative state, which means I'm not actually accessing me and who I am and the conversation that I'm trying to have or, ah. (laughs) And so once I accepted the premise that I'm going to be sensitive and I'm going to know these emotions, I thought, okay, I got to tune into something. And that's when I started getting information, receiving inspired information about there's me, which is my emotions, my energy, my feelings. And then there's source, you know, all is well, all is great, God, that beautiful love is all there is, whatever you want to name that field of energy that just is the isness. And then there's this whole middle swath and that whole middle swath, right? There's me, then way out there. It's not out there. It's in us too, but you know what I mean for this sake of this conversation, Um, with you, there's that out there, but then there's that middle ground, that middle swath of energy, that's mass consciousness, that's everybody else's feelings. And I was like, okay, so I get in trouble with me, I get off track when I'm in that middle swath. So where do I look? And that, where do I tune into? And that became a practice. So it's like, okay, I'm going to tune into source before I go into this conversation. Or I mean, I have a million tools for this because I love tools. Sometimes I would see an image of a piece of energy, like a certain color, or it looks like a stone or a crystal. And that would be between me and the person. It's like it'd be floating in front of the person. And whenever I would look at them in my mind's eye, instead of directly tuning into their energy, I would tune into that stone instead. And it would like wherever they moved in my mind, that stone was an intermediary. It was, it was something I would tune into first. And that was a centering point. And then I could think about what it is that they were saying. And I could even observe what it is that they were emoting, right? And I could even f- allow myself to feel it, but it, because I can't, right? Not 
feel things. I'm an empath, right? I'm a sensitive person. But those feelings didn't overwhelm me. They didn't take over where I was at. So tuning into source, this intermediary, sometimes I would just bring a, would hold a rock in my hand or a crystal and I would find myself or put it in my pocket, right? And, And I could put my hand in my pocket. And when I would feel myself dipping into the other person's energy or their story, I could hold that in my hand or reach down and feel it and go, okay. And it would be like a, a focusing tool. So you could say, well, hey, that's like centering. Yes. But for me, just centering as a concept, I didn't know where I was centering. Those types of things gave me something to center on. So I'm going to go into this conversation and I'm going to tune into, tune into what? And you could be tuning into this feeling or even an image that you've drawn or a symbol that comes to you for the positive, highest good result of this conversation. You could be like, I know what it feels like when we're past this. I know what it feels like when I'm past this. I know what it feels like. I can see that energy or I have an image and maybe it's just like an image of something in nature or I draw a symbol and it looks like this on on a piece of paper and I'm just going to tune into that. Okay, good. So that, then the third one is, oh my gosh, I can't even read my writing. (laughs) Oh, it's the same thing. Have another focus. (laughs) But what is that focus? I did that. Number four. Oh, it's the let them be and the observe, right? There's this, this comes with practice. It's this, this concept of you can't ask a question and then meditate for the answer at the same time. Um, people ask me now, hey, my goodness, how are you so psychic and so intuitive and so in the flow as you move throughout your day? And it's like, well, I'm not asking and getting an answer at the same time. You can't. They're two different channels, so to speak. One channel on, you know, is boop, I have a question. And the other channel is boop, I'm receiving the answer. But I've been practicing this stuff for so long, like decades and like almost daily that now I'm very fluent and um, flexible and skilled at switching back and forth between those ask, answer, ask, answer, ask, answer. But when you're new at this stuff or depending on who you are and how you are, which I wish you could see my grin, is wonderful. I love who you are and how you are. You might need more time or energetic time, right, between the asking and the answering. And so the observation place is where a person can sort of be or sit or energetically reside or emotionally be when there's asking and answering and you can't tell which is which was this an ask was this an answer what's going on with them they're saying this they're they're we're both processing i'm saying things i'm processing they're saying things i'm processing and this happens whether it's a a a deep love relationship conversation whether it's a conversation with a family member where it's a conversation with like, you know, the barista at your coffee shop and you're negotiating something or it's a conversation at work, right? There are these asking and answering. You're asking, trying to get clarity. They're asking, trying to get clarity. You're both trying to, in your own way and very much in your way, the way that you are, receive clarity and navigate the discussion. So to get in this observation state means I'm going to look at the whole thing. I'm going to do what I can to 
look at all of this and not assume that something they say is the end result of this conversation. Maybe they're saying this thing, which is like, oh no, I would never agree to that. But they're saying that because they're beginning to say, okay, I'm going to put this out on the table. Let's talk about this. Or I'm going to put this out on the table. Let's talk about that. I'm going to let myself observe more what's going on, not assuming anything. How do I do that? And that takes practice, right? It takes practice, basically. But knowing that there's an observational place where you can look at the asking and the, and the answering or the asking in the beginning of answers, knowing what it is that you're looking for, right? That, that's what you're observing. <sighs> right? <sighs> right? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. At this point, I love being sensitive. I really do. There were years where I was like, this is awful. <laughs> this is terrible. Why was I burdened with this? But once I got the hang of it, just a little bit enough, oh my gosh, I love, I'm so intuitive and I'm so in the flow and I'm so able to navigate with these ways because I've, I've practiced. It's awesome. And that's what I want for you. So number five, know and respect the process, right? Like you're going to feel not always great in a conversation and so are they they're also not going to feel great in a conversation. And what about not feeling great? I've been thinking about this a lot lately about how, you know, when did people saying no become a problem? When did we stop as a, even as a society um, or in, in the consciousness of ma- the mass consciousness of humanity, when did we stop honoring the process of being human? the process of being a soul going through a clarifying journey and then again and again and again, right? Clarifying about new things. And, and there's a lot of talk of, about in the, in like the, the spiritual circles that I'm in. And then I'm also just looking at, at history and, and it's been really fascinating that there's this linear thing, this linear thing that's happening where people think we just, start here and then our goal is to progress up till we've reached this part this pinnacle right as a society or as a person and that everything is linear and in fact um, economists even look at this they'll say okay this is what's happening in the 60s and based on what's happening now we're projecting that this is where we're going to go and i've been reading about general general uh, generation um I don't know what they are. He's a scientist, a studier of generations. And he talks about how there's all these cycles, generational cycles, and how societies ebb and flow in these cycles. I'm even learning that about weather. Weather has cycles, right? There's a like a 30, they say we live in our grandparents' weather, and weather has about a 30-year cycle. And when I moved to where I live now, the first year I was here, there was a massive snowstorm, unprecedented, crazy. And everybody was like, snow again. And sure enough, 32 years earlier, there was a snowstorm like that. And it's got me thinking about cycles. Well, I was very much led to um, my Kara Apache um, teacher, Maria Yesbrew. My gut, my guidance led me to her. She taught me about cycles. She grew up on the reservation and she's a 13th generation holy one. And she taught me about all of these cycles. And so when society gets into this thing where it's just results oriented, what happens to the process? What happens to the ebb and flow? What happens to knowing that there's a take apart? And then there's the sitting with it. And then there's the accepting of it or the reconciliation. And then there's the 
ooh, the, the epiphany, and then there's the learning to accept the epiphany, and then there's learning to embrace it, and there's learning to walk it, and then there's integrating it, and then it, it comes all over again. Where are we at in the process of the conversation we're having with somebody else? The immediate conversation, but also the broader conversation. The broader conversation in my life and in their life, and the broader conversation in my life and their life. Where are they at in that cycle? And can I honor the fact that I might be in a different cycle that they are about this. And that's not the same thing as we still need to come to some resolution about this topic that I'm bringing to the table for us. But to see these cycles, getting into um, a, a more cyclical mindset. Wow, I'm having my own epiphany now. Was the beginning of healing my relationship with my own sensitivity because I, there's no way I fit into a linear system. (laughs) I, I know I sense too much. I know too much about vibration and about these patterns and about people and me and things, but I had no framework with which to get my bearings. Um, It's the difference between, okay, here's a frozen pond and here's some ice skates and you're just going to go in that direction. And they would give me these ice skates and I'm like, this pond is not frozen. It's not frozen for me. It It is a moving body of water. And I just literally, I sink into it when you, I put these things on my feet and now I can't swim because I've got these things on my feet. And sometimes the water is calm and sometimes the water is choppy and sometimes it's deeper and sometimes it's shallow and sometimes it's this temperature and that temperature. And sometimes there's, I'm sensing there's a lot more things, you know, in here. And sometimes I'm sensing that I feel alone, but it's a very fluid, literally a fluid body of water. And you're telling me, no, 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 no. Here's your linear life. It's see, look, we've frozen the ice right? We've decided that we're logically moving in this direction as a society. And here are your skates and just head over there. And I'm like, literally, I can't. I can't. (laughs) I can pretend. I can mask myself and I can pretend. But I am literally um, trying to swim with uh, skates on my feet. So if you're with an, in a relationship, whether it's in work or life or with a family member, and they are in this linear, and they are in this linear way, then you think, wow, I can't process with them. I can't ebb and flow with them. Good. Know that. Don't fight against that. Let that be what it is. And then go back. Okay, I'm going to have this conversation with them. Let me prepare in advance what it's going to be like to navigate this conversation with somebody whose perspective or whose way is this linear way and mine is the cyclical way. And how do I explain my position or how do I explain where I'm at or how do I soothe them? How do I soothe myself? How do I move through this without giving into things that don't feel right to me, but giving into the fact that anybody can fight it all they want and maybe I'm still fighting it and maybe they're fighting it or maybe they don't even realize that it's a concept at all, but we live in a cyclical uh you know, say it's not universe. It's a wheel. This earth place is cyclical. <laughs> I'll put it that way. It's cyclical. <laughs> and yes, as Maria taught me, it's like a spiral. So if you imagine that you're drawing a spiral in the air and the point is at, at the bottom and the wide part of the spiral is at the top and you 
and I'm literally inviting you to run your finger in the spiral to go up and up and up. You'll see as you, as your hand is moving up because the spiral is increasing. And as the spiral is even getting wider, there are points where it looks like to your finger in that moment that you're going backwards. But then you're going up and then you're going backwards and then you're going up and then you're going backwards. And that really is oh, something I, I would love to invite to all of my, all of you, all of you who are sensitive and emotionally um, frequent frequency um, sensing, right? To not be afraid of what feels like the backslide. We, we really can't go backwards. We can't know. We can't unknow what we now know. We can't be less evolved than we were last year. We literally can't be. Now we can try and hide that from ourselves. We can sort of cut ourselves off from it. We cannot access it. We can fight against it, but it literally is there. It is a part of us. We can't not know what we now know. We can't not be more expanded. Right? So the next time we tune into the the bigness, the allness of who we are, that's also going to be in there. And some of that comes with realizations that are difficult, right? So how do we navigate those times when it feels like we're backsliding? Or how do we navigate those difficult conversations? And it's like that, right? I'm going to prepare for the spiral that this is, right? I'm not going to fight that I know what I know. What am I focused on? Can I observe this unfolding? The unfolding of me in this conversation, the unfolding of them in this conversation. Can I respect the process? And then here's my guidance popping in, right? Number six, (laughs) which I hadn't thought about. Oh, should you even be having this conversation in the first place? And if so, is this a person you should ever be or in this moment having this conversation with? (laughs) And if the answer to that is no, right, and you started the conversation, no amount of these tools are going to make it more pleasant because you weren't called to go there in the first place or you weren't called to be in that situation with that person in the first place. And then it's more about, okay, how do I navigate my life into a beautiful place where I don't have that going on. 